0: Good morning, and welcome to Connections Radio Show, where we talk about ideas that matter. I'm glad you've made the connection today and are with us. There is a lot going on in our country right now that is very concerning. And I've got some great guests that are gonna share about ways to put a put a, a focus on some of the ways that we treat others. And what does it mean to get connected and really feel a sense of us and not have that sense of other? The U.S. was built on an idea, an idea that together we make up our country, not divided, not in these horrible ways that we've been treating immigrants, that we're treating kids at the border, that we're treating our brothers and sisters. We're Americans. We're better than what we are doing. And there are many of us as a collective that are horrified about what's happening and want to figure out how to make a difference, want to figure out how to make a contribution that says that we are better than this and we want to become something better because of this. And today we're going to explore what does that mean? I've got wonderful guests, Sarah Schonwald, who is a member of the National Council of Jewish Women, and she is co-founder of Muslim and Jewish Women of Minnesota. And I also have our wonderful Asma Mohammed, who is the advocacy director for RISE. And Asma regularly leads trainings and speaks on issues around intersectionality, sexual violence, Muslim women's voices, countering Islamophobia, and women's rights. Welcome, Sarah and Asma. Thank you.
1: Hey. Thank you
0: for having us. Oh, Asma, it's always a a great pleasure to have you as part of our program. And you are exciting to be back. Oh, and you're in Chicago, I hear. I am, but I'm always here for Connections Radio. (laughs) (laughs) Right, that is the right answer. Now you've got you two are having a program at the East Side Freedom Library on fighting Islamophobia and anti Semitism. And that's July 24th. Yeah. And when I saw that, I went, ah, oh, I need to have you guys on the show and tell me more about it. Mm-hmm.
2: So yeah, I'm excited because you
0: also got to meet uh, our friend Peter through the through our Connections radio show.
2: Yeah, we met in person at the radio show and we talked about voting uh, a while back. So it was exciting to re- reconnect and uh, build a new connection out of it. So we wanted to do something in St. Paul Um RISE is based out of Minneapolis, but I mean, the Twin Cities, like every community is important to us, and I think that when we work with Muslim Jewish Women of Minnesota, so we have a coalition that we call Muslim Jewish Women of Minnesota that came out of love and came out of us wanting to do something together, um, we we were like, where can we do this? So we thought of a few places we could hold it in Minneapolis, we could hold it at Eastside Freedom Library, and I think when we talk about anti-racism, freedom is such a huge concept that we continue thinking about. So we're like, okay, perfect. Let's make this happen.
0: So here we are. So Sarah, how did you decide to create um, your program? Um, You're now doing, you're the co-founder of Muslim and Jewish Women of Minnesota. How did that get started?
1: Yeah. So um, it got started with people before me. So in early 2016, in the aftermath of the San Bernardino shooting, Rabata, which is a Muslim women's organization um, that's just absolutely incredible, um, they released a statement condemning gun violence, and some of my dear friends and colleagues at National Council of Jewish Women reached out to Rabata because it's a priority, because gun violence prevention is a priority focus area for National Council of Jewish Women. And they said, hey, how about we work together on this? Um, so, out of this initial meeting came some meals, <laughs> which is food a focus. Food, food of, is a great connector coming together. <laughs> um, and we actually did some um, advocacy training together. And then I think it was around then that Tabra Gray, who runs Rubata, um had the idea of inviting Noshina to come to the table with Rise, because Rise was just newly formed around that time. And yeah, and since then, we've all kind of been in partnership and solidarity. Our work has been, it's shifted. So we actually planned, I remember, what was that? Maybe like December of 2016, a meal. It was going to be a meal of liberation and gratitude. And it was going to be, we thought, a celebratory meal after the 2016 election. And we came together, I mean, much to our our dismay and surprise with very different election results than we thought. And it was a meal where we said, all right, let's focus and let's really figure out how are we going to be showing up together and what is it we need to be focusing on together. So I think from there we started saying, yeah, our voices are stronger together than they are alone and we need each other right now.
0: When you were breaking bread and you were thinking about what the future could be in working together... What were some of the themes, what were some of the things that brought you together in terms of important um, important goals that you had together?
1: Yeah, um, I think a lot of – there are a lot of different kind of ways to do interfaith alliance. And core to our interfaith alliance is advocacy, is um, that we are going to um, – build relationships for sure and get to know one another, certainly to challenge this idea that Muslims and Jews don't get along. Mm -hmm. There's a really pervasive and ugly narrative out there Mm -hmm. that we should be separated. That Mm -hmm. narrative serves nobody. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, except white supremacy.
0: (laughs) It's typical of triangulation. You know, you want to separate so that together you are a force, but separated maybe not as much. Yes. So how to realize your force together.
1: Exactly, exactly. And we do have so many overlapping um, areas of of concern and of passion and of hope. So even just this last year, um, we put our voices together for the first ever Muslim and Jewish Women's Day on the Hill, um, and we advocated for menstrual equity, for ending the statute of limitations um, on... Asma, how would you say it's on sexual violence reporting?
0: Asma?
2: Yeah, yeah, it would be like reporting sexual, sexually violent crimes. So um, we were just eliminating the statute that exists for that. And we've talked a lot about that on Connections. Right. <laughs> so I don't want to get too deep into it, but yeah, exactly that.
1: Good. And also um, advocating for more teachers of color in our state.
0: You also mentioned that you have a lot of other uh, discoveries you've made about what what you have in common. Can you share some of those with me?
1: Asma, do you want to get started with that?
0: I mean, some of, sure,
2: yeah. Some of the first ones I think that we had were just our, I mean, the connections we don't want to have, right? Like like the things we don't want to have in common, which is that we're facing white supremacy. Both mm-hmm. of us, like both groups are facing this.
0: The marginalization. This, like, yeah.
2: Yeah, This monster that exists in our, in our nation's fabric, in our history, and it's constantly there. So that was one thing, and I think more than that, like we realized that we like our faith centers so much, both for both of us, on sisterhood, um, and that everything we do, like everything good that comes out of sisterhood, um, is so much related to our faith. And then I think also finding out that Islam and Judaism have so many overlaps, mm-hmm. <laughs> like as Abrahamic faiths, right? That we that we overlook those so frequently, um, and that when we like we looked at some holidays that we had in common, maybe on similar days, and we're like, "Oh, now it makes sense." Uh-huh. <laughs> so, I thought some of these like small things are really funny, but really connecting on like what's happening here. Like we care yes. about a lot of the same things, and it's because we are driven
0: by faith. One of your um, quotes that you have in in promoting the fighting Islamophobia and anti semitism is a quote from the Prophet Muhammad: um, "All mankind is from Adam and Eve." An Arab has no superiority of an over a non Arab, nor does a non Arab have any superiority of an over an Arab. A white has no yep. superiority over a black, nor does black have any superiority over white except by piety and good action. Mm-hmm. And I've always Yeah, felt- that's
2: from the last sermon of the Prophet peace be upon him. And so we wanted to share like again that this anti racism work is rooted in faith.
0: So much of what I think of when I think of RISE and I think of groups uh, that are empowered to do something is the the deep faith, but also faith by works, faith by action, you know, faith by showing that what you believe is how you live. Mm -hmm. And sharing how you live with people, I think, is our way of connecting. You know, we know each other by what we do. And when mm-hmm. we support each other in ways as a sister, as a faith-based person, as a person who, who wants to make change, you know, how do we connect? How do we do that? So a little bit about uh, your workshop coming up. Um, you met with Peter. You said, yes, let's do a workshop. How and next segment, we'll talk more about the workshop itself. But how did you come together to decide what are the topics that you want to share and how you want to share it? How did you structure it?
2: Um, Yeah, I mean, yeah, you want to take this one
1: for the. So this is part of a larger series that Rise is doing that Asma can certainly speak into. This workshop um, coming up was born out of the. The way too many tragedies that are happening. Um, the mm-hmm. I think this one in particular was born from the Christchurch uh, massacre at the New Zealand, um, at the mosque, and mm-hmm. how we need to be actually, you know, working within our communities around teaching ourselves, <laughs> really, mm-hmm. as well as one another about what is Islamophobia, what is anti-Semitism. I mean, it's so much. It is people shooting up our places of worship. And that is the horrible mm-hmm. tragedy of it, and it's 2019, which is wild that this is happening um, and and Islamophobia and anti-Semitism also exist in kind of some tropes that just show up, right And mm-hmm. so how can we teach ourselves and one another to catch those,
0: how to recognize them and how to share and coach each other? Yeah I think mm-hmm. when you can get to the point where you're coaching and supporting um, You've made that first step in connection. Exactly. Uh, so you're with us today to talk about Islamophobia and anti-Semitism. I'm glad you've joined us for part of this conversation. And you're listening to Connections Radio Show here on AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota.
3: I'm Peter Rackler from the Eastside Freedom Library, and I'd like to tell you about an historic place on Payne Avenue, Brunson's Pub. Experience history and passion through the delicious menu, reflecting the East Side's diversity. The choices are limitless. Salads, sandwiches, burgers, and shareable plates. Visit Brunson's Pub at 956 Payne Avenue and grab a discounted gift card when you mention that you're an AM 950 listener or a supporter of the East Side Freedom Library. Be sure to check out Brunson's dot com.
0: Powderhorn Park Neighborhood Association and Powderhorn Park are thrilled to invite you to the Powderhorn Art Fair. Shop hundreds of local and regional artists on serene Powderhorn Lake, taste foods from local food trucks, and enjoy exploring the Powderhorn community. Considered the best regionally juried art fair for nearly three decades, it takes place right in South Minneapolis in picture-perfect Powderhorn Park. The Powderhorn Park Art Fair begins Saturday, August 3rd and runs through Sunday, August 4th. Join the fun from 10 a.m. to 5 p.m. The success of the Art Fair comes from Powderhorn Park Neighborhood Association's long-standing collaboration with the Minneapolis Park and Recreation Board. And a portion of the proceeds support youth programming at Powderhorn Park. So put August 4th and 5th on your calendar for Powderhorn Park Art Fair. There'll be over 200 artists, 20 food trucks, and great fun at Powderhorn Park. For more information on the Art Fair, go to ppna.org. That's ppna.org.
4: Hi, this is Mike Pavantonio from Ring of Fire. Ring of Fire is a direct, smart, and i got to promise you a fearless progressive talk show. Join me, Mike Pavantonio, and my co-host Bobby Kennedy Jr. and Sam Cedar as we take on the large corporate conglomerates and that radical right-wing media that dominate America's airwaves. Ring of Fire, Saturdays from 3 to 6 and Sundays from 6 to 9 p.m. On AM 950, it is the progressive voice of Minnesota. A fantastic lunch is waiting for you at Milton's, 36 and Douglas in Crystal. Start with their delicious wings, Milton-style buffalo barbecue or naked. Or try their famous barbecue rib nachos. They've got great lunch options like their grilled sandwiches, the ribeye, the chicken, and the portobello mushroom. Try the fantastic fried egg with asparagus and kabata and their jerk chicken sandwich. Or change it up with a Milton's Cobb salad, a chopped jerk chicken salad, or their warm and satisfying soups. Lunch today will be delicious if you head to Milton's, 36 and Douglas in Friendly Crystal.
0: Welcome back to Connections Radio Show, where we talk about ideas that matter. And I'm glad you've made the connection and are with us today. I'm Lori Fitz, your host. And as you know, Connections, what we like to do is explore a wide range of topics that challenge ourselves to look at our community, uh, to look at the world around us, and start thinking, start talking, start feeling, start exploring, and um, and in that exploration sometimes we stumble around and fumble around to figure out what is the connection but that's a process that I want you to encourage to do do it with a good heart do it with a heart of exploration in how how do we better connect with our community how do we better communicate how do we better communicate what we want and what we want for ourselves and our country right now we're going through a very dark period in our country that um, a lot of us have a lot of fears about uh before we had the radio show, before we started a radio show today, I was talking with Sarah about some of the work that she does in healing. And I'd love to have you talk a little bit with us about that, Sarah. And then I'm going to bring in Asma, who is the advocacy director uh, for RISE. Welcome, Asma. I'm glad you're here today. Yeah, happy to be here. Um, so I'm going to get back to Sarah. Sarah, you have a deep feeling about healing. Yeah. Tell me about your sensibility about where we are in the world today in terms of folks who are, we're all in pain. Now, there's different types of pain. We are nowhere uh, like children being caught up in cages, but we have great empathy for those children and those families being torn apart, and it's impacting us. Tell me about your thoughts on that.
1: Sure, so I think that the... There's a truth that anchors me and my faith that I um that I believe anchors um Asma and all of our, our sisters and um Muslim and Jewish women of Minnesota in our faith, which is that we're all connected to each other. That what's happening, um what's happening somewhere perhaps far away is also happening to us. That there isn't um that we, we can't make the distinction between, you know, these, these big systems of oppression, they actually don't help anybody. Mm-hmm. There are no winners. Mm-hmm. Um, and so with that, yeah, so my, when, I'm, when I'm not doing work with Muslim and Jewish women of Minnesota, um, I run Listen to Lead Consulting and do work with organizations that are really looking at how do we work better across differences so that we can be living out our values of equity and justice and a lot of that is looking at how how is white supremacy showing up in our organization and how might we be dismantling that and um yeah so and to me and my teachers have taught me that we can think about these systems of oppression as this collective wound so me as somebody who's conditioned as white I don't. I'm not trying to say that my experience of white supremacy is nearly the same as Asma's, who's a woman of color, right? And there are no winners in white supremacy. White supremacy is still a disconnection. It's trying to disconnect us from our bodies, from our roots, from our ancestors, from one another, um, and that doesn't help anyone.
0: Asma, how did you first meet Sarah? Was it at that that dinner, or was it before?
2: Um, Sarah and I met through Muslim Jewish Women of Minnesota, um, but I think, so, Sarah, correct me if I'm wrong here, but I remember, so I'm an extremely, I will say this about myself, I'm, I'm really, I'm really empathetic and sensitive, and I know Sarah is too, <laughs> Yep. <laughs> and so when we met each other, we were just like, kindred spirits, we're here, we're yes. sisters, and every time I've seen Sarah since then, it's always like, we do almost like a pulse check on each other, and we know like, we can sense the tension in each other. And so when the idea for this workshop came up, um, and because I think the two of us are, like, the ones constantly talking about white supremacy, like, and not just at work, but everywhere, like, everyone we know, um, Noshina and Beth are like, you all should be the ones, <laughs>
3: <thing." laughs> And we like, Y'all yeah, I'll take this.
1: <laughs> and then Asma had, we met at um, Sencha Tea House, which is a place where Asma does a lot of work, and even though it's in my yeah. neighborhood, I've never been there, and I discovered tapioca it's balls the for the first time, and my life has forever changed. So, yeah.
2: It is incredible. Um, no ad here, but Bubble Pea changes lives. <laughs> as we do. As we do.
0: <laughs> so you've got other partners with your program as well. You're partnering with the Minnesota Deaf Muslim Community, National Council of Jewish mm-hmm. Women. Um, and the Eastside Freedom Library to help make this happen in the Eastside Freedom Library.
2: Yeah, so we wanted to have as many partners and make this as inclusive of a space as possible, um, which is why it's being led by a Muslim and a Jewish woman. Um, Sarah and I have different experiences with white supremacy, but they are rooted, again, like in this idea that there is more power in white bodies. And we wanted, to, we wanted to challenge that, and we also wanted to talk about, like, our own experiences. Because imagine if this workshop was led by someone who was not Muslim or not Jewish and didn't have that experience, which is what we consistently see across the board, mm-hmm. that there are white folks teaching about, like, being a person of color. And we wanted this to come from a place of, like, authenticity and also from experience. Like, our lived experiences are more valuable than whatever you could read on the Internet. Absolutely. Um, and so we wanted to start from there and also build connections, as you always say, Laurie, um, but with, like, Muslim, Deaf Muslim Community of Minnesota, or Minnesota Deaf Muslim Community, because these spaces oftentimes exclude Deaf and hard-of-hearing and Deaf-plus people, and we wanted to make sure that this space, like, has interpretation, has, you know, a place where everyone feels included because if we, like, say we're about inclusion, if we're trying to challenge white supremacy, like, all of this oppression is a part of it. And if we don't include everyone, then we are a complicit in that oppression as well.
0: I love that we continue to explore what partnerships are available to us. And and I love how the sisterhood allows that inclusion um, to be able mm-hmm. to be faced and realized and supported. Um so yeah. tell me about the workshop itself. What, what are the, the big themes that you want to make sure um, that folks can – so they better understand the white supremacy? Because what I found in working um, in the multicultural world is that it's always a surprise to the white community. Oh, that happens. Um, and and we talk about unconscious bias, where there's many things, and we talked last uh, segment about tropes, many things people don't realize have the impact. So there may be people in the audience that think, well, you know, I, I don't have any problems and I have lots of friends, so, you know, I don't understand why there's a sense of supremacy. Tell me the privilege mm-hmm. that comes with being white. <laughs>
2: I, mean,
1: I can like, speak it, it, from it, my own body in only two minutes <laughs> I can speak from my own body as someone who's conditioned as white and who has access to whiteness um, in that like I gave this example at a workshop even um, I was at the farmers' market for Mother's Day um the one downtown and there was a police officer, a uniformed officer who was helping cross the street and my first thought was, Oh, here, here's that person. They are here to help,
0: mm-hmm.
1: right? That is not something that, at least my friends of color, might think mm-hmm. right away,
0: mm-hmm.
1: right? Because, and again, like, um, <laughs> we were driving actually after a Muslim Jewish Women of Minnesota event. I was driving with my friend Betsy. And we had forgotten where she, she had forgotten where she parked her car, but we knew like the space number. And I laughed as we pulled up to an officer and I said this, you know, turning to Betsy like this is white privilege. And we said, hey, officer, can you help us, blah, blah, blah. And they were like, sure, cool. Um, I know I'm using just examples of uniformed police bodies and my but white they, body. But
0: they're a symbol of power and they're a symbol of law. Yeah. Oh and, no, and, that's... And, and there's been uh, blatant discrimination. Uh, over the years, whether it is... Systematic murder of black
1: bodies. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And incarceration
0: Um, for years longer. Absolutely. That is just tragic.
1: I mean, I think a lot of ways that white supremacy culture works too is that um, the values that I've been educated into are the ones that are reinforced in a lot of places, right? So Mm -hmm. the more, Mm -hmm. um, like, for instance... (laughs) um just like being using clock time right Mm -hmm. we all have different experiences of time everybody every single group no matter what has some like wants to be respectful Mm -hmm. wants to be polite and we just have different ideas about how that gets operationalized
0: and how it's recognized and supported Mm -hmm. and appreciated
1: and appreciated exactly so my values are typically um, reinforced in most spaces where i go
0: So we're going to wrap it up for this segment, but I want to explore at another deeper level about how cultures, um, how how we perceive each other and how to make conscious connections uh, to recognize our differences, support each other, and find ways to celebrate it as well. So stay with us. We'll be talking more with both Sarah and Asma and promoting their great workshop coming up on July 24th. Powderhorn Park Neighborhood Association and Powderhorn Park are thrilled to invite you to the Powderhorn Art Fair. Shop hundreds of local and regional artists on serene Powderhorn Lake, taste foods from local food trucks, and enjoy exploring the Powderhorn community. Considered the best regionally juried art fair for nearly three decades, it takes place right in South Minneapolis in picture-perfect Powderhorn Park. The Powderhorn Park Art Fair begins Saturday, August 3rd, and runs through Sunday, August 4th. Join the fun from 10 a.m. to 5 p.m. The success of the Art Fair comes from Powderhorn Park Neighborhood Association's long-standing collaboration with the Minneapolis Park and Recreation Board. And a portion of the proceeds support youth programming at Powderhorn Park. So put August 4th and 5th on your calendar for Powderhorn Park Art Fair. There'll be over 200 artists, 20 food trucks, and great fun at Powderhorn Park. For more information on the Art Fair, go to ppna.org. That's ppna.org.
1: The Downtowner Woodfire Grill in St. Paul is the perfect choice for breakfast, lunch, and dinner seven days a week. Offering daily fresh seafood specials, fire roasted meats, exquisite pizza, and half price bottles of wine on Mondays and Tuesdays, except on Excel Energy event nights.
2: Once
5: you experience their cozy fireside dining extensive wine list and bar, you'll be back for more. Gift certificates and private dining room for parties available. Located at 253 West 7th Street with plenty of free parking or online at downtownerwoodfire.com.
4: Chances are after spring cleaning you missed a spot. A couple really big spots, like your roof and siding. Run your fingers across your siding, you'll likely get a gross residue, and your roof probably has some black streaks too. Your roof and siding aren't always easy to clean, but they're definitely the most visible parts of your home that give it its curb appeal. So let Blue Sky Services clean your roof and siding. Blue Sky's safe soft wash method won't cause any damages and will make your home look like new. Right now Blue Sky Services is running their summer special where you can get your whole house roof and siding clean starting at only $447. That's the most viewed parts of your home clean for only $447. Then mention AM 950 when you call Blue Sky Services to get an additional $50 off. So get the curb appeal back on your home and call Blue Sky Services at 952-467-2447. That's 952-467-2447 your AM 950 weather, this is Eric Nelson. Today we're looking at sunny skies and temperatures in the high 80s. While tonight, skies remain clear, but temperatures dip down to the lower 70s. Expect Sunday to be a hot one. Highs of 92 and the lows around 85. Monday, the warm weather continues with temperatures in the 90s. Eat local, Minnesota.com's Restaurant of the Week is Krooners Lounge and Supper Club. Offering a unique and contemporary spin on continental cuisine, Krooners specializes in food and drink made popular in the 1920s. Check out this fabulous dining experience at 6161 Highway 65 Northeast in Minneapolis.
0: Welcome back to Connections Radio Show. I'm your host, Lori Fitz, and I have Sarah Schoenwald, who is a member of the National Council of Jewish Women, and she is also a co-founder of the Muslim and Jewish Women of Minnesota. I also have Asma Mohammed, who is the Advocacy Director for RISE. Welcome, you guys. Thanks Thanks for having us. So you've got this great workshop coming up Wednesday, July 24th, from 6 to 9, uh, and for more information on that, you can also go to the Eastside Freedom Library uh, website, which is the uh, ESFL... Uh, I'm going to get it for you by the end of the... I want to make sure I get that absolutely correct here. The Eastside, or
2: revivingsisterhood.org. <laughs> or
0: revivingsisterhood.org. There you go. Both uh, websites are available for more information on this workshop. And in this segment, I want to start off with making sure that we talk... What are the goals of the workshop? What are the things that you want to make sure get done in the workshop? And I'm going to start with you, Asma.
2: Yeah. So Sarah and I sat down on a lovely day and shared some um, bubble tea and talked about this. But one of our objectives is to recognize the ways in which anti-Semitism and Islamophobia are linked. Um, So we're not just talking about, like, all discrimination is linked, even though it is. We're talking about how specifically Islamophobia and anti-Semitism are connected. Um, There was a study done by the Institute for Social Policy and Understanding um, that showed that people who are anti-Semitic in that, like, they they hate Jews, right? Mm -hmm. Those same people also hate Muslims and vice versa. So this this is in research, right? So people oftentimes think, like, Jews and Muslims hate each other. And the reality is, like, no, there is a system that hates both of us. And it wants everyone else to think that we are not connected, that we don't love each other. So part of the workshop is just challenging and showing that Sarah and I like, are there in sisterhood and in solidarity and that we are advocating against this together. Um, and then also showing that there is a system that's trying to make that not happen, that this is intentional. Like the, you know, the people that are trying to make us believe that we can never be friends are, are people that are scared of the power that we can hold together. Um, so that's one thing. And also, like, identifying some of the awful things that we that we share, like the tropes that people share about us um, and recognizing where those come from. And I think more than anything, leaving space for specifically, and especially Muslim and Jewish women who are attending, um, leaving space for them to build sisterhood through that, because I think that we forget sometimes that you can build connection through and through our shared trauma, um, but also, like through the joy we find out of like fighting against it.
1: Yeah, I think everything Asma said, and personally, having a workshop about antisemitism is something that, um, well, in my experience feels like relatively new. This is not a conversation that a lot of folks were having in the Jewish community. At least in my experience, again, I Mm -hmm. speak—I have a Jewish perspective, not the Jewish perspective. Um, I love that. But anti-Semitism
0: was something that you had mentioned earlier. You felt like it was in the past. Well,
1: it's so wild, right? I mean, just like like we are educated against the understanding of white supremacy as like a current thing Mm -hmm. on purpose, right? That's very intentionally left out of history. We are educated against this Mm knowing— Similarly, um, I think I have been educated, and again, my coll- my friends, dear ones, have been educated against. And we really want to believe that after World War II was won by the Allies, anti-Semitism is over,
0: right? And that we would never forget
1: that we would, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So never again, right. and And um, and that no, no, like we we learned the collective lessons, mm-hmm. and anti-Semitism mm-hmm. is over, and there has been. Um, it has been scary, at least in my experience and myself, to be visible Mm -hmm. around talking against anti-Semitism, around bringing anti-Semitism up as like a thing. Mm -hmm. And and anti-Semitism happens on the left and the right. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's something that, and same with Islamophobia, Right, Like just just because mm-hmm. just because we all have good intentions doesn't mean that it's not up to us to really understand what's happening mm-hmm. and to be able to catch these tropes.
0: Um, and we when we're surrounded by them, it, I think it penetrates at a level that we don't even realize. So there's all mm-hmm. these different uh, images of um, the Middle East and showing that there is tensions between um, the Islam and um, the Israeli world. You know, there's great tensions. So we assume that that plays out in every interaction, and it doesn't. You know, it, it and and we are greater than making those assumptions, but we don't pause mm-hmm. enough to be going. Wait a minute! I'm going to question into that. Why was that my first reaction? Why was that my my first sensibility? How can I take a longer view? How can I make better connections? Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. So, and I think also. another thing is. For- Yeah, another thing that we wanted to come out of the workshop is recognizing that, I mean, anti-Semitism and Islamophobia aren't just those overt attacks Mm -hmm. that happen on our mosques and our synagogues and our cemeteries. They are like the small interactions, the small reminders, like, oh, hey, um, or this assumption that we cannot connect because of Israel and Palestine. Mm -hmm. Like, that is anti-Semitic and Islamophobic. Uh Right. People always assume that about us. And even those small interactions are meant are like are on a small a smaller scale, leading up to what happens at the mosques and the synagogues and the cemeteries when people come to shoot them up. It comes out of this awful rhetoric, yes. um, and I think we forget that. So we want people to recognize that there are levels of this hate, yep. right? So we want to recognize that. And then also another thing that I was thinking as, as you were talking, Lori, is that, like, we, we've had this conversation. Like, we have talked about Israel and Palestine in our group, in Muslim Jewish Women of Minnesota. Mm-hmm. Like, our, our leadership met, and we wanted to talk about why people don't want us to get along. And to realize, like, our connections to those homelands and to those holy lands and see where, you know— we're all coming from
5: mm-hmm. because I
2: think that's important too, that we have those conversations, but they're rooted in love. And I think we came, we came out so much stronger yeah. after having that conversation. Yeah,
0: And you've gone to each other's synagogues and mosques. Yes. I love that too. Yes. And, and in during the, the various ceremonies recognize some similarities yeah. that are very powerful.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. And differences. And cause we can hold those, mm-hmm. right? Like we can hold the fact that we also have some pretty big differences and and we get to show up whole together. We get to have a shared, um, a shared advocacy platform, a commitment, and a depth of love and care in our relationships where we can hold our commonalities and our differences and mm-hmm. really be whole together.
0: If you had um, a great wish for what would be the outcome of your workshop, um, what would that great wish be? And I'll start with you, Asma. Jeez, great thing. <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna let Sarah have a moment um, think, to think.
2: Yeah, I think one one major thing I want to come out of this is the centering of Muslim and Jewish women's voices in this work. Um, I want that to happen, and I also want people in the workshops to be able to connect and say, like, yeah, this. I mean, I feel this too, um, and maybe not in the same way that you do, but I feel this too, and I, I hope we, like we can connect on that. Um, and then another another hope I have from this is that People leave the workshop feeling like they can actually identify some of those those smaller scale forms of of hate and white supremacy in their daily lives and learn to combat them. Um, That's a huge hope, I know, but I I want that.
0: I know earlier you were sharing that there's something that's pulling you to be looking at the difference between white supremacy and white nationalism and that we're still struggling to figure out,
3: yeah. you know,
0: is there an antecedent? Is there is a slippery slope? Is there separate or are they connected? Is it part of a continuum? Is it something that, you know, we can put up the warning light that, you know, this white supremacy can lead to really ugly things that are playing out right now yeah. in white nationalism?
1: So Asma and I talked about this a bit, too. And since Asma and I spoke, I met with a couple mentors. So shout out to Beth Zemsky and Liz Loeb. Um, who are local activists and teachers and awesome folks in community here in Minneapolis. Um, so my understanding right now is, well, first of all, that I think they're related. Mm-hmm. White nationalism, I think, is about um, kind of creating a like white Christian, Patriarchal state.
0: And It's almost like a purity test. There's, right? a, there's a white yeah. purity that 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 has some sort of uh, attraction to people.
1: Yeah, and and that mm-hmm. and that um, that people who are not white. And and in the case of in the case of um, white nationalism, even European Jews are not white. So let's be really clear mm-hmm. that Jews and white nationalism aren't white. Whereas in white supremacy, I. Um, as somebody who has Eastern European lineage, mm-hmm. I, I have access to whiteness right. in a way that in white mm-hmm. nationalism And it, isn't. It so bizarre.
0: It's all about you know what the pixi- you know uh, what our, our skin color is. I mean, it just gets so bizarre to me. But yes,
1: yeah, and country, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It was <laughs> these. These are systems that are made on purpose. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and so and so white nationalism is about the fact that. There is being committed right now a genocide on white people, right? This is this is this the fear. The this fear is the, that sometimes, the fear. there's a threat. That, yeah,
0: that, right. That there, we're being somehow hunted and and that we're in in some kind of a, a dangerous position. Mm-hmm. That we're the victims as a white culture, mm-hmm. <laughs> which is like, mm-hmm. it, you know, up is down and down is up.
1: Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. and I think it's based on this deep fear, right? Like I can't be fully me if you're fully you. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. yeah, there was a, a scarcity
0: mentality yeah. that if you take something that, that lessens my pie, the, the, my yeah, portion like of the pie. Yeah, it's
2: like the politics pie. of scarcity versus the politics of abundance and yeah. thinking that there is enough of everything to go around. It's like, no, these people are stealing my resources. Right. They shouldn't mm-hmm.
0: have them. Right. Mm-hmm.
1: Absolutely. Whereas white supremacy, I think, is um, is like just this baked in system to be reinforcing and preferencing um and systematically oppressing people of color mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, because whiteness is seen as just better, superior.
0: And sometimes the rules, because they come so easy in the white culture, and they're, they don't even realize that there are rules that are that, that are allowing them the this subconscious, this, tact, this, this sense of uh, privilege has to really be thought through and take a pause to understand what those mean and what others don't have and what others can have. And how do we turn from us and them into us so that everyone is granted the same privilege, everyone is granted the same opportunity. And it can be done. I mean, we're talking, in most cases, skin pigmentation. So let's get over that and let's figure out that we have cultures that can can really celebrate um, and learn from each other. So we'll be right back for our last segment of Connections Radio Show. We're glad that you joined us today. Powderhorn Park Neighborhood Association and Powderhorn Park are thrilled to invite you to the Powderhorn Art Fair. Shop hundreds of local and regional artists on serene Powderhorn Lake, taste foods from local food trucks, and enjoy exploring the Powderhorn community. Considered the best regionally juried art fair for nearly three decades, it takes place right in South Minneapolis in picture-perfect Powderhorn Park. The Powderhorn Park Art Fair begins Saturday, August 3rd, and runs through Sunday, August 4th, Join the fun from 10 a.m. to 5 p.m. The success of the Art Fair comes from Powderhorn Park Neighborhood Association's long-standing collaboration with the Minneapolis Park and Recreation Board. And a portion of the proceeds support youth programming at Powderhorn Park. So put August 4th and 5th on your calendar for Powderhorn Park Art Fair. There'll be over 200 artists, 20 food trucks, and great fun at Powderhorn Park. For more information on the Art Fair, go to ppna.org. That's ppna.org.
3: I'm Peter Rackler from the Eastside Freedom Library, and I'd like to tell you about an historic place on Payne Avenue. Brunson's Pub is a place where history and passion are a part of every detail, starting with the menu. The payne Phelan neighborhood arose from Dakota people who lived here for hundreds of years and pioneering immigrant communities, Irish, Swedes, German, and Italians, who made the East Side their home. More recently, waves of new residents from Asia, Latin America, and Africa continue the rich immigrant history and are revitalizing the community's cultural life and economy. Come experience Brunson's Pub at 956 Payne Avenue and grab a discounted gift card when you mention that you're an AM950 listener or a supporter of the Eastside Freedom Library. Be sure to check out brunsonspub.com.
4: This is Gregory Rich, founder of Habitation Furnishing and Design, and host of Drink in the Style every Sunday at 5 p.m. You know, on the radio program, I often say that life is the big stuff, but living is in the details. The furniture in your home may be details, but that's where you do the living. So why not speak to one of Habitation's design professionals about making your space the best it can be? Habitation, 4317 Excelsior Boulevard in St. Louis Park.
5: Tom Hartman here, letting you know how you can go solar with All Energy Solar, even way up north in Minnesota. Lots of people ask them, isn't
4: Minnesota too cloudy for solar? No. The truth, for one thing, Minneapolis gets nearly as much sun each year as Houston, Texas. But it isn't just about how much sun you get. It's also about having access to great local incentive programs that make solar affordable. Learn what your options are to save with solar. And visit AllEnergySolar.com today.
5: Welcome back to
0: Connections Radio Show Uh, We've been having a great morning talking with good people uh, that are doing some amazing programs. Uh, shout out to the Eastside Freedom Library, uh, who is hosting a terrific program on July tw- 24th. That's a Wednesday. It's from 6 to 9. And it's fighting Islamophobia and anti-Semitism. You can go to the eastsidefreedomlibrary.org. Or you can also uh, go to RISE. Uh, tell me the uh, the website for yeah. that again, Asma.
2: Reviving, yeah, it's org.
0: And I've got Asma, who is the Advocacy Director for RISE. Welcome, Asma. Hi, everyone. And Sarah Schoenwald, who is the member of the National Council of Jewish Women. And she has um, been a co-founder of Muslim and Jewish Women of Minnesota. Welcome. So, Asma, is there any final thoughts that you want to share with us about uh, the program coming up? Because I've got something else I want to ask you, too.
2: Yeah. Um, well, the fi- final thing is that, I mean, this this program is open to everyone, but we will be centering Muslim and Jewish women's voices, um, that this is really about our experiences and we want to uplift those. So if there are other people of any faith, all faiths who are attending who don't identify as Muslim or Jewish, um, we welcome everyone, but we want to make sure that we center those voices, that those will be the loudest voices in the room. We'll keep reinforcing that throughout the training
0: tremendous.
1: And can I add one more thing, too? Absolutely. And when we say women, we mean um, anybody who identifies as a trans woman, a cis woman, non-binary, anybody who's kind of been conditioned into expectations around femininity in um, Mm -hmm. Islam or Judaism.
0: Thank you. Thank you, Asma. And thank you, Sarah. I I heard something last night on the Rachel Maddow show that got my blood boiling. Um, And I was wondering, would you be okay if I shared just a little bit about what uh, Rachel Maddow was sharing about the uh, new national security advisor? They're going to fire Dan Coates, um, it looks like. And they've got a person who is clearly an Islamophobic uh, potential uh, replacement, which is terrifying. And what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna go ahead and, and play just a little bit of it and I'd love to have your reaction to
5: it. Coates potentially being fired um, is that the White House basically is floating a trial balloon about who they might want to replace Dan Coates if in fact Trump fires him. According to Axios and NBC News today, Trump wants um, for his new director of national intelligence, uh, this guy. Seriously, he wants the the author of the book Obama bomb to be the new director of national intelligence, according to today's reports. Uh, His name is Fred Flights. He's not a famous person. It's okay if you don't remember that name. He did briefly make headlines last year when Trump's newest national security advisor, John Bolton, tried to bring Fred Flights onto the National Security Council for about five minutes. The freak out in national security circles around that was palpable, and it did give rise to some sort of lurid stories about Mr. Flights. But now, I mean, it was one thing for them to try to put this guy in a staff job working for John Bolton, even if it was a staff job on the National Security Council, which is an important thing. That caused enough of a freakout in national security circles. But if these reports are correct today, that Trump is now going to try to put him in the Senate confirmable position of director of national intelligence, I mean, that's going to be... I mean. Hilarious is not the right word, I know, but it, this is going to be something if they actually try to do this. I mean, this is a guy who, I mean, if they try to make him D.N.I., if they try to fire Dan Coates and bring this guy in instead. Just for context here, this is a guy who would have to be brought into the Trump cabinet to become director of national intelligence from the job he has now. The job he has now is he works as the senior vice president for policy and programs at a think tank. That think tank where he runs its policy and programs is the leading proponent of the crackpot theory that the U.S. government is secretly being run by the Muslim Brotherhood, which has infiltrated the highest ranks of American government. And we just don't know it.
1: And that's He has argued that, that we need to have, have a new work. House on American right? We're like these insiders um, who are these puppet masters who are, um,
5: This time we yeah. need that committee back because it needs to root out the secret Muslims that are operating inside the or U.S. Or secret government. Jews that are, you, you know, bat- oh, taking care of the, government that are somehow Jones running the, the monetary, the world's bank. I, 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 it's that, crazy. Oh, that must obviously be stopped. We pass among the masses. Uh, this is also a group, I should mention, that said the Oklahoma City bombing back in 1995, that was not the work of Timothy McVeigh. Yeah, I don't believe everything you've heard. Obviously, that was a Muslim who did that. It was like Saddam Hussein. Again, the, some other there's Muslim. no tolerance We're for not Timothy McVeigh. This was a white man that blew up that, the federal, building, blew up in the federal building. You know, it has to be That's someone else.
3: He also has made a name for
5: himself on the Fox color. News channel in the yes. Trump era by going on TV and saying I'm, that the intelligence community... I'm just going to... This is enough of that crazy man. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's well, it's my, terrifying. Yeah,
2: yeah, it is. But also, like, I'm not that terrified because I don't think it's new.
1: Exactly. Um,
2: I don't think this is, this is exactly... So in 2015, when Trump had started campaigning, the, I mean, he started talking about the Muslim ban. It's just this idea. And I remember being terrified. And a few weeks later, someone tried to run run me over in my car. Oh my um, gosh. And called me a Muslim b word. Um, but like, that's what happens when people are talking about this. But clearly, it's been happening forever. Mm-hmm. And we already have a president who believes all of this. Mm-hmm. So, I to me, it's like it's not surprising. It's not new. And I think for people who've experienced Islamophobia, like this is this is already this is very normal. There's already a Muslim ban in effect. Like yeah, there are more things that can happen, but like, what more can happen? We're but as like, we we're we killing can, kids at the border.
0: As yeah. we continue to put these people in power, and yeah. and that can impact even more lives. I, I, we have to we have to keep recognizing it. And for those that are the first wave of this, as being like, oh, this has really gotten out of hand. Mm-hmm. It's been out of hand for a long time. But what we need yeah. to do to. to to say no to this um, is doing exactly what you're doing is advocacy. And and we have to change Mm -hmm. the tide in our politics and we do need new leaders and we need to stop this. And I just appreciate all the work that you both are doing in advocacy um, because that's where it it all starts. Um, We do have the power and our country was based on uh, we the people. And we, the people, need mm-hmm. to take our government back and not allow this to happen any longer. Yeah. Thank you to both of you. Uh, I appreciate all your time and effort um, to help bring greater awareness and and help us connect. So, Sarah, uh, Asma, uh, I appreciate you being here today. I look forward to hearing how your workshop goes. Um, I know it will be a wonderful program, and I also encourage you to keep doing all the good work that you're doing, and I want to have you all back. And of course, Asma, you're you're one of our regulars. We've got Rise as a community partner. (laughs) uh, You'll have me back. (laughs) uh, Good, good. So let's all make a conscious connection this week. Let's take a, a moment longer to see each other and to be with each other and recognize our differences as well as our similarities and hold that, as Sarah has shared with us. Let's hold that. Thank you.